that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Uh, A very different weather day than yesterday. It was maybe the most perfect October day I could ever remember. Uh, This weather today is a bit more fitting. Uh, not, Not cold, but rainy, ugly. Not ideal weather, uh, but oh well, good day to stay inside and kind of Tuesdays, I think debatably, maybe the worst day of the week, uh, but just get through it and then you've got football on Thursday and then football all weekend. So it, it seems like a short week and it actually is a short week for me. Won't be here Friday doing the show, but that's okay. That means I'll have to get my PT picks of the week in earlier, figure out which day I'll do that. Uh, again, super hot streak. But exciting show today. We're going to recap the blue-white game that happened last night. Um, a lot to take away from that game. But again, you can't put too much stock into an inter-squad scrimmage. And we're going to talk UK-Missouri. We're going to talk a little bit about Louisville and Florida State. That's an exciting game on Thursday where, where that line just continues to plummet towards Louisville. And it's not crazy to think that by Thursday... If it goes at this rate, it could be a pick'em game. Uh, maybe you know, at worst, a two or one point game. I think I, I I've seen it at Louisville, uh, a three and a half point underdog uh, that initially started at eight and a half. So that's interesting. Uh, Louisville kind of seems like the the hot pick. They're playing well. They're healthy. Got the majority of their players back. And then all this Florida State fiasco, uh, I talked a little bit about it on the air yesterday. Yates, at the time, you hadn't heard about it, so I'm sure you've probably read up on it since then. Yes, I have. And I think there's more to it than there was yesterday. What, what would that be? Uh, well, he's apparently, you're talking about Carlos Williams? Yes. Yeah, they, he apparently is was also... Uh, I guess they wanted to talk to him in connection to what sounds like an armed robbery of a, an FSU student who is a former Marine. That's not, that's, I, I hadn't heard that. That's not good. No, not at all. Not at all. And ba- based on what I read, uh, I don't think he was, he wasn't arrested or I don't know if he was considered a suspect, but they contacted him. They wanted to question him with regards to it, and he said that he would go in to the police station to answer their questions, and he never showed up, and they contacted his girlfriend, and she said that they had retained an attorney and would not be answering their questions. And I, I don't remember exactly when this was, uh, but it, it certainly doesn't bode well for Carlos Williams. That's interesting. Uh, I'm reading right now that the attorney for the for – for the woman that was posting the Facebook pictures is asking Tallahassee police to drop Carlos Williams domestic battery investigation. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, I mean, all this surrounding Florida state is eventually going to have to catch up with them in my opinion. And they, their schedule is not super tough. Uh, I think it might be safe to say Louisville is the toughest game remaining on their schedule. I, 
it, it, it's all brewing for an upset Thursday night. Obviously, I do think Florida State is a better team than Louisville, but we'll see. Clay B116 says the arm robbery took place over the summer. Uh, he's pretty sure. Had also, uh, it was a 17 year old that attached Carlos, uh, that hit, attached his name to that robbery. So I guess more will come from that. We'll see. Uh, again, just a mess with Jimbo Fisher. And instead of trying to calm the waters, he is on the defensive, which is just no way to go. It, it, even if even if everybody is completely innocent, uh, it, it's I, I find it hard to believe that it would be a coincidence that all this is happening in your program and there's not some truth surrounding some of it. And he just sits back and continues to blame the media. I, I think I saw today that he was blaming the SEC for all this, SEC media for making this. Uh, turn into such a big deal. So, <laughs> not an ideal situation. Anyways, we're, we're, we'll talk more about Louisville and Florida State on Thursday. A huge game in this area. Uh, and, you know, doesn't affect Kentucky in any, any sort of way. But if Louisville were to get hot and find a way to beat Florida State and, you know, play close with Notre Dame, depending on what Kentucky does, it could be a top 25 matchup between UK and UVL in the season finale. Obviously, Kentucky would need to take care of business, uh, certainly winning two of their next three. And three out of three certainly wouldn't hurt. And Louisville would have to beat one of Florida State or Notre Dame. Couldn't lose to both uh, in order to be ranked. So would need. Uh, it's not crazy that that could happen, and that would certainly be something if you had both teams ranked going into that rivalry game. Uh, something to keep an eye on. NBA starts tonight, and I'm excited for it. We're going to have Brett Dawson on, my boss, uh, but you know he's passionate about his job, but he loves talking NBA. So we're going to bring him on to talk NBA, maybe throw him a UK question or two, and talk to him about all that good stuff. We also, Yates, if we get time to, we do have the riddle on today. Should we go to the riddle right now? Yeah, sure. All right. Man, people don't – some listeners, uh, a minority of the listeners do not like the riddle. We'll go ahead and do it. I, I'm reading it for the first time here. All right, let's hear it. Burlington is part French and part English. If 70% of the population speaks English and 60% of the population speaks French, what is the minimum percentage of French-speaking persons that also speak English? All right, I'm, I might need you to – like. Copy and paste and send that to me. That this was, isn't a great, a little, a little difficult to follow hearing it. This, this isn't a great uh, radio riddle, so maybe we'll move on from it. I, I'm going to need time to to be able to process this and doing it on the air. Probably isn't the best time to do it. I have plenty to talk about, and I look forward to um, getting a chance to, to talk all about it. The blue white game last night. I was a little late watching it, but I did DVR it and end up watching the entire, uh, watching it in its entirety. There was a lot to like, a lot to dislike. I, I don't know if those are going to be the platoons he's going to be able to use during the season. Uh, I, I think the freshman guard struggled a bit. I, I do like Tyler Ulis a lot, but I think if you're going to run him on a team with just him and Devin Booker, that might not be the best idea for a platoon. But on the flip side, do you mix that up? Do you mix up the Harrison twins? I don't think you can. I don't know if that's the best idea. 
So a lot to figure out for UK and, and John Calipari before the season starts if they really want to do this platoon system. They switched up the teams with 10 minutes to go in the second half and made it a freshman. Obviously, there's only four freshmen, so they had to have some other people play with the freshman team. But freshman versus more experienced guys, and you got to see the more experienced guys uh, look a little bit more involved. And so it's tough to take away these stats from this game because, again, uh, you had people switching teams, and it, it kind of gets confusing. But let's look at the first half because they, they, they kept the team similar in the first half. And again, the platoons were Marcus Lee, Alex Poitras, Derek Willis. Oh, hold on, I might be the wrong platoon systems that I'm looking at. But you had a you had the Harrison twins together, and then you had Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis on the other team. And then you had Willie Cauley Stein with the with the twins, Dakari Johnson with the freshman, Carl Anthony Towns with uh, Willie Cauley Stein, and that looked good. If there was one freshman, if there was one player that really jumped out at you, it was Carl Anthony Towns, uh, able to score in a variety of ways, step out. Now, defensively, he struggled a bit, in my opinion. Had a tough time guarding Dakari Johnson, although Dakari Johnson, everybody has a tough time to guard, in college basketball, has a tough time to car, uh, guarding Dakari Johnson. Uh, I saw today that Mike Rutherford, who I like and I think he's great at his job, ranked the top 100 players in college basketball. And I, he had Dakari Johnson, I believe, 68th, which is just ridiculous. to have. Uh, he, he's debatably the best center in college basketball. And that's – I. I Again, it's tough for me to not come off as biased saying that, but I promise you, if you have him one-on-one in the in the post with any other center in college basketball, he is scoring on them, guaranteed, and he's going to be able to defensively do as good as a job as virtually anybody. So I, I have a tough time believing that Dakari Johnson is the 68th best player in college basketball. He had Jaleel Okafor, the number one player in college basketball. I could make a very strong and compelling case that Dakari Johnson's better than Jaleel Okafor. But a little off topic. Uh, Dakari Johnson looked fine yesterday. Uh, I've got the accurate box score up here now. Dakari Johnson, again, going to go with the first half box score. Uh, Dakari Johnson was on the worst team. Finished with, uh, in the first half, three of six shooting. Seven points. And only one rebound, which is, oh, seven rebounds, excuse me. Seven, seven rebounds, seven points. I knew that wasn't right. Uh, one of the best offensive rebounds in college basketball. 
So impressed by him, but his free throw shooting one to seven in the first half just cannot happen. And that's one re- and that's one way Dakari Johnson's not going to find as many minutes as he probably should, as if he's not going to hit free throws. And free throw shooting for both teams uh, terrible. Devin Booker, oh a three from the line. He's supposed to be your shooting guard. He's got to be able to knock those down. So I, I think free throw shooting is going to be concerned coming into this year. Uh, I, I do feel, even though Devin Booker had an off night and some of the other guards had an off night shooting free throws, I don't think that's going to be a big issue from the guards. But I do get worried about some of the big guys and how they're going to be able to uh, close out games, and that's going to be a big concern. Three-point shooting after seeing last night's scrimmage. I'm not sold on UK as being a good three-point shooting team. I think they can be good enough where it's, you know, zones aren't going to necessarily be super effective. I think you're going to be able to have, you're going to see people be able to knock down threes. Only hit two in the first half combined, blue and white combined, only hit two in the first half. But I, I think Aaron Harrison, Andrew Harrison, Tyler Ulyss, Devin Booker, I think those guys are going to be able to do enough for you where it won't be a major issue, but this is not going to be a good three-point shooting team. And do they have an off night like they did in 2010 against West Virginia and cost them a game? I doubt it. You also have big guys that are going to be able to extend the floor a little bit more. Again, I don't think Trey Lyles and Carl Anthony Towns are going to be able to knock down threes on a consistent basis, but they can knock down an 18-footer if it's open. So you step back an extra two or three feet. I think you should be able to hit that. And I have been very passionate about Trey Lyles not being a three. You got to see a little bit of Trey Lyles at the three yesterday. I just felt when he was playing the three position and out on the perimeter, he was basically worthless. He wasn't getting involved in the offense. It's not like you can sit him on the perimeter. So he'd kind of float his way inside and kind of at times just look like a a very poor man's Alex Poitras. Now, when Trey Lyles was playing the four, I was actually impressed. Uh, his inside moves looked better than what I had remembered in high school. Was a little more active in rebounding. So I liked what I saw out of that. Now, I, I will say this. I was uh, a little bit more impressed with his handles and the way he could run the floor and also dribble. But he's not a guy that's going to be able to put it on the floor, on the perimeter, blow by somebody, and then finish at the rim or make a good pass. That's just not his game. He's a six foot ten power forward. And every time I mention that he's not going to be able to play the three, I get some UK fans tweeting me and saying this and saying that. I just that's not going to be one of UK's best lineups if you play him the three. It's not. He's not versatile enough, in my opinion. Could he guard the three? It depends. I mean, sometimes you have really short threes. He's not going to be able to guard a 6'2", a 6'3", guard. And, you know, a lot of teams don't have 6'3", threes or 6'3", wing players. But, you know, you can see that in the SEC. He's not going to be able to guard somebody like that. I'm not convinced that he could guard an Alex Poitras. And Alex Poitras is a three. So, uh, the, but again, blue-white, it is what it is. It's a, it's a nice-looking scrimmage. I think John Calipari, if he wants to do these platoon systems and make each five uh, as fair as could be, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to switch them up. 
you, you can't have Tyler Ulis and Devin Booker as your guards on one and then have the Harrisons on the other. Uh, and you'd have to switch up the, the twins to make that work. And I don't, and, and does that make them worse? I don't know. That's why I don't really necessarily agree all in all with this platoon system. Uh, but we're going to talk a little more about the blue-white, but we're going to head to break because we've got to get Brett Dawson on here during the next segment. And we have in on, him on. We're going to talk NBA. Uh, there's some interesting odds, rookie of the year odds and um, MVP, and also just kind of get a preview of some of the UK players and the pros, 19 of them, and just a, a season outlook for the NBA altogether, see who Brett Dawson thinks is going to win the NBA championship. So we'll be right back after these short messages. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back. Second segment here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. A gloomy day across Kentucky. But to cheer us all up, we've got Brett Dawson on, publisher and my boss from CatsIllustrated.com. Brett, how are you? I'm great. I'm really, I'm, I'm exactly the kind of person to cheer you up on this sort of day. I agree, and this is uh, this is Christmas for you. You've got the NBA starting tonight. All is well in Dawson land, I would imagine. Pretty excited. It's only three games, but I'll take it. The, uh, the best way to sum up my excitement is that the team I rooted for growing up in baseball was the Kansas City Royals, and tonight I will be watching NBA basketball instead of Game 6 of the World Series. Yeah, I remember when we first met that you were – uh, intrigued or at least interested in why I was a Boston fan, and I asked if you had any rooting interest in baseball and kind of laughed at the idea that if you had to pick a team, it'd be the Royals, but you didn't care that much. And as you have it right now, the Royals are playing for their playoff lives and to stay in this World Series tonight, uh, but you'll be watching the NBA. That doesn't surprise me one bit. 19 Kentucky players in the NBA, uh, but one thing that kind of stands out to me is there's some notable names not on NBA rosters that uh, had solid careers or, or year at Kentucky uh, for some of them, just one and dones. But uh, what do you make at some of the players that aren't on NBA rosters that left Kentucky early, just uh, a few years back? Well, I'm not greatly surprised by any of them, given the way those guys performed on the teams they were on. And, and uh, you know, the notable guys, really, the guys who left early, Marcus Teague, Deron Lamb, um, Daniel Orton, uh, those guys, you know, haven't played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, it was pretty apparent that, uh, Brooklyn, uh, and Lionel Hollins, the new coach there did not see anything in Marcus Teague, tried to give him some playing time in the preseason to make sure they got a feel for him and just, just didn't uh, feel that he could play. Just didn't feel like he was going to help them. And so, you know, he's kind of, uh, out at sea now trying to find another place to go. Orton has never really had any uh, ability to latch on and, for whatever reason, Deron Lamb is not a guy who has, um, you know, even in a situation where he went to Dallas where he was surrounded by a good team and he probably could have just played a role as a shooter, has not been able to latch on. And without knowing those situations, you don't know why that is. 
You don't know if it's a bad fit. You don't know if there are defensive problems. Uh, you don't know if it's, it's um, just an issue of getting along or fitting into a system. Uh, he's the one guy I kind of keep thinking will latch on at some point and, and make a career of it because you can never have many shooters. Um, but he doesn't have to be in the right situation, and clearly he hasn't been yet. That's what that was going to be my next question: Is which one of these players, Keith Bogans, Josh Harrelson, Deron Lamb, DeAndre Liggins, Marcus Teague, would have the most potential to have a, a solid NBA career? And you'd you'd seen Josh Har- Harrelson have a, a decent NBA career and, and kind of latch on to a specific role when he was uh, with the Knicks and and was uh, traded to the Pistons. I think had a short stint with the Heat. If I've got that order correct, you had DeAndre Liggins. That was kind of, he was making a name for himself in Oklahoma City before he had some legal issues. Uh, and I know you, you think the Duran Lamp shooting ability could, any team would appreciate that. But which guy besides Duran Lamb could you see maybe uh, making a name for himself again, whether it's Josh Harrelson, DeAndre Liggins, or, or Keith Bogans, who has kind of been a journeyman in the NBA? Well, I, I think Liggins still has a chance at some point if he can prove himself uh, and, and stay out of trouble off the court. Um, if he could maybe prove himself in the D League again, he's played at that level before, and, and uh, you know there were some things about him that were attractive to Oklahoma City. He has so much in common with Tony Allen uh, in Memphis, who's a, an important part of a good team. Um, you know, Liggins has got to, to eventually uh, become something offensively. He's not really anything. He's got to become a guy who could make that corner three-point shot that Tony Allen's pretty good at. Um, if he could do that, I still think somewhere down the road there could be a spot for him because he's a guy who doesn't cost you a lot of money, um, who does have one clearly defined skill um, as a defender. And then, you know, if, if he could just not be a total liability offensively, uh, that, that could happen. But I, that's the, the nature of the league is if you're a guy like DeAndre Liggins, you can't have an off-court incident. Stars can have off-court incidents, but, but guys who are trying to make teams, you can't. Teams aren't going to put up with that kind of stuff when you're not a proven, valuable commodity. Yeah, if you're not worth the trouble, uh, NBA teams, NFL teams, MLB teams have no problem cutting you loose. Let's talk about players that are in the NBA. Uh, out of the four leading candidates to win Rookie of the Year, two of them former Wildcats, uh, Nerlens Noel comes in at 11-2. to two. And Julius Randle right behind him at fifteen to two, uh, in terms of the Rookie of the Year odds. Uh, which which guy do you feel will have a bigger year and a bigger impact? You've got a guy on Julius Randle, both not probably on good teams, and it's weird to say that about the Lakers. Uh, but but Nerlens Noel, I think, on a much worse team than the Lakers, and Julius Randle will likely uh, have a, a chance to maybe perform more in, in spotlight. Lakers are on TV a lot. Kobe Bryant is a attractive draw for, for big networks. So which one of those two guys would you feel more comfortable with taking to win Rookie of the Year this year? Definitely Randle. Um, I, th- I think that uh, there's no telling which one of those guys is going to be better down the road. I think Noel's a good player, and I think someday – uh, in 2018 or so, when Philadelphia is good, there's a chance that he'll be an impactful guy and he'll be a guy that people talk about. I think he'll have a good impact. I think he'll be a good defensive player. He's still obviously a work in progress offensively, and he's not the kind of guy who's going to shine when there aren't other good players around him. He needs good offensive players, and Philadelphia really doesn't have those. So I don't think he's going to have a, a huge two-way impact. Um, and, and guys who make huge impacts defensively don't get a lot of rookie of the year votes for strictly playing defense. I think Randall will be a good offensive player, 
he's not going to get a ton of minutes. It's going to take him some time. But I think ultimately they are grooming him to be a second half of the year guy to maybe play some more minutes there. They they tinkered in the preseason with him in the not in the starting lineup, but playing with the starters uh, in in some of their rotations. I think ultimately he will play with some of those guys more. Uh, and I, I think he'll he'll put up some pretty decent numbers eventually. But I, I would be surprised if he doesn't get off to a slow start because I'd be surprised if he plays a whole lot early. It just didn't look like he was part of their, their early season plan and preseason. I think that will change over the course of time. So you, you like Julius Randle to have a better year than Nerlens Noel, but I'm assuming if if, it, if you had to pick a rookie of the year, you'd probably go with one of Jabari Parker or Andrew Wiggins? Maybe, maybe. I, Parker's probably the favorite, and I think Parker should be the favorite. I really like Peyton in Orlando. I love all the stuff you hear about him. I think that's a guy who's got an outside shot. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you about a sleeper and one that you would be familiar with. Uh, we all saw what Clay Anthony Early could do in his career at Wichita State, especially up close and personal against Kentucky, had a huge game. I've always felt that he's got a, a style that will fit in at the NBA level. Uh, what do you like of his chances? He's coming in at 30-1. to 1. He would be a, a big sleeper, but uh, you, and you would know more than almost anybody based on your, your fandom to the Knicks. Uh, what kind of year could you expect out of a guy like Clay Anthony Early? Not a big year. It's a it's a complicated system that they're going to run the triangle. It takes a while to learn. Rookies have never really excelled in it. Uh, he will spend a lot of time in Westchester at their at their D League affiliate. I would not expect him to have a, a significant impact as a rookie. All right. Well, there you have it first. My sleeper pick for rookie of the year, Brett Dawson, my boss and publisher, just throws it out the window. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, away from some of the young guys. Let's let's talk about. The more experienced players and the MVPs, uh, Anthony Davis is all really has been. The, he's been the talk of ESPN today. If you've had a chance to turn on the TV, uh, he, he's not a, 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 a secret anymore. It's he's not going to surprise anybody. Uh, Anthony Davis has, is now known to be an up and coming star in the NBA. What, what what chances does he have to maybe win the MVP and solidify his his best player in the NBA resume? I think almost no chance to win the MVP because you got a team that probably isn't going to make the playoffs in the West. I know that a lot of people look at them as, and, and see New Orleans as a team that maybe could make it to the eighth seed. I think they have to make a move, and maybe they will make a move. Uh, they've got some contracts. Maybe they can do some things. I don't think they have a good fit of perimeter players. Um, I like what they're doing inside. Uh, I like Omar Oshik with Davis, and I think Davis will have a huge year. But uh, in terms of MVP balloting, it's going to be really hard for anybody to beat LeBron James for MVP this year. The story of going back to Cleveland, they're going to have a monster year. They'll be really good. And I think that the guys who do have a legitimate chance to win the MVP outside of LeBron, Kevin Durant, if he comes back without missing too much of the season, and then you look at maybe Blake Griffin and Steph Curry. Those are two dark horse guys. Davis would be way on the outside unless he has that exceptional year and they get into the playoffs as maybe a six or a seven seed if they jump way up. And he's the reason why. Maybe you could see him as a dark horse guy, but I think he's he's way on the outside right now. And you have a guy like Anthony Davis, who's a former UK guy, won a national championship, national player of the year, maybe one of the best years by a college player in the history of college basketball. And you got John Wall, who's well known throughout the league. Give us another former UK guy that is that could have a big year, not just individually, because you see Demarcus Cousins put up unbelievable numbers the past few years, but 
could have a big year numbers wise, but also help his team maybe go places that that team hadn't been before. Is there any other guy that jumps out at you, a former Calipari guy or uh, just a former UK guy in general? Yeah, I think the guy who who has a chance to me to make the leap this year and be a much, much better player and a much, much bigger part of his team is Terrence Jones. Um, That's a guy who showed a little something over the course of last year in Houston. They'll be a little different offensively because they lost really their probably their best, uh, you know, maybe their best outside shooter. Uh, At worst, their second best behind James Harden um, in Chandler Parsons. They also lost Jeremy Lin. So they've lost some scoring off the bench. I think that's a part he can sort of fill a little differently than those guys did, obviously. He's not a perimeter-oriented guy. But he he showed you last year he's got some, some flaws in his game defensively and some limitations offensively, but he looks like a good offensive player. He can score in the post. He can step away and put it on the floor a little bit. He's a good offensive rebounder. Um, he's got a long way to go defensively. But I, I think you always talk in the NBA about the leap, the guy who makes that big jump from one year to the next. And I think he's definitely a candidate this year, not just among those Kentucky guys, but around the league. I think he's a guy who's viewed as, as somebody kind of ready to make a jump. With a guy like Terrence Jones and, and – the situation in Houston, it seems like a good a good team. you got Dwight Howard, James Harden, Terrence Jones. Was, were, were they in a situation where they virtually kept Terrence Jones over Chandler Parsons, who won SEC Player of the Year? Not really, because that, that was a free agent situation. Really, what they did was pursue Chris Bosh in such a way that it made it very difficult for them contractually to make an offer to Chandler Parsons. So that's really why he's able to get away. Um, it, it's uh, th- those contracts, those restricted free agent contracts, Houston is famous for kind of putting people in binds that make it very difficult to re-sign their players. They did that with Jeremy Lin and made it uh, a backloaded contract that was almost impossible for the Knicks to match. Um, and that was sort of done to them. Dallas sort of did the same thing. There were a lot of people in the NBA, if you, if you read about the league a lot and talk to a lot of people, who were really excited to see that happen in Houston because it's something Houston has done a lot over the course of the last few years. So um, while I think they have some high hopes for Jones at some point, it wasn't they didn't make any personal moves with him in mind. I just think that he's a guy. They did choose to hold on to him, and they've made a lot of moves. They are a team that makes a lot of moves, um, and they've chosen to hold on to him because there are things they lack. But, no, there wasn't any kind of like this or that with him and Parsons. And last, we're talking with Brett Dawson, publisher, catsillustrated.com. Last individual player question before I, I, I'm going to ask you for some predictions. What's going on with Brandon Knight in Milwaukee? kind of seems like the Bucks are a black hole when it comes to an NBA team. You never really hear a lot from players there, but he put up almost average 18 points a game last year. What kind of year is he looking to have? Uh, this, I guess, would be his fourth year in the NBA. He's, you know, he's a good player, and he's going to, have, he's going to continue to score because he can. Um, I don't know uh, if he's the kind of guy who makes your team a lot better. Um, I think that remains to be seen, and, and Milwaukee may be a, a mover this year, uh, the, uh, a team that might w- be willing to make some moves to, to retool its roster going forward, and, and maybe Knight might be somebody that a contender would like if he is that kind of uh, player. Uh, but I think he'll continue to have pretty good numbers. They'll be way better, uh, I think, than they were a year ago. Um, the Greek freak is going to have a, a big leap forward year. He'll, he'll have a, a giant year, um, and he'll be a guy that everybody wants to see. They're a good pass team. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to be fun to watch. So, you know, th- this is a year for Brandon Knight to get a little bit of attention, kind of in NBA circles, because I think that's a team because of Parker, um, you know, be- because of kind of what's going on with their youth movement there. There'll be a lot of people watching. All right. Uh, I'm a sucker for scoring guards, and, and, and college-wise, Brandon Knight was one of the most fun to watch. 
Uh, so let's get some predictions. I'm not going to make you go through and pick the winners of, of each division within the conference. And, uh, but I, I do want to hear your Eastern Conference Championship, Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, and then uh, who ends up winning the, the NBA Finals out of those four teams. Well, in the East, I'll do what probably almost everybody will do, which is Cleveland and Chicago, and I'll take Cleveland. I just think it's going to be one of the most efficient offensive teams you've seen in the league in a long time. Um, Kevin Love is just, I think, perfect fit for a guy to play with LeBron James. It's just almost ideal. It's hard to draw up a better roster for, for Cleveland. If you're an NBA conspiracy theorist, that works out really nicely for you to say that Cleveland just lucked into a roster that was tailor-made for LeBron James. Um, I, I think Cleveland beats Chicago in the finals. The West is obviously the far more interesting one. I think there's just so many teams that could be in the mix. Uh, but I like the Clippers. I, I would take the Clippers to come out of the West right now. Um, and just because you can't not, I think I'd have them beat the Spurs. Um, but I, I think there's a chance this is the year, and I, I say this almost every year, that this could be the year the Spurs kind of drop off. I'm one of those people, and I know I'm not the only one who believes that last year they had something fueling them that was rare. Um, they really gagged away an NBA title the year before against Miami. They were really driven by that. Uh, last year and were able to get back and win it and really dominate the series and break up the heat. I think it's going to be hard for them to, to match that motivation this year. They'll be a very good team, but you wonder about their bodies. Uh, they're getting older, and you worry about just sort of that, that motivational stuff. So I, I'll take them in the finals. I wouldn't be real surprised if that's Oklahoma City. Um, but, but ultimately, I like the Clippers to come out of it and win it, and I like the Clippers to win the whole thing. I just think the Clippers are uh, the, the sort of classic uh, – classically built NBA team that's getting better and better, that's learning its lessons by losing in the playoffs, and, and now maybe ready to take that next step. Interesting. Uh, that would be, I think, a surprise and a different pick than most, uh, but there's, I do big Doc Rivers fan, so uh, I, w- I would like to see that happen. Uh, before we let you go, one thought. I- anything jump out at you at the, in the blue-white game last night, uh, UK's annual inter-squad scrimmage? You know, I was most impressed probably with uh, – I liked seeing Trey Lyles because I hadn't seen him a lot. Um, he's the one guy on the team who's the biggest mystery to me, so I was interested in watching him. Uh, I, you know, I think the main thing – it was kind of what Carl Anthony Towns said after the game. That, that It's hard to believe when you watch it is that's one team and not two. So, you know, this is, it's not like this is the first time we've seen them like this, but, you know, to see all that talent, to see how many really good players there are on the roster – um, I'm struck by just how much work they're going to have to do to figure out rotations. You know, whether he sticks with platoons for the season or not, he's got to figure out some way to play some, uh, enough guys to keep them happy. Um, and, and as John Calipari mentioned last night, other coaches have to figure things out too. He's going to have different five-man units that he's going to be able to play, and opposing coaches are going to have to figure out how you defend each of those five-man units, what kind of offense is best to play against each of those five-man units. So they're going to present – Challenges not only to him but to everybody they play. So, uh, just you know, I think what what strikes you the most and what's going to strike you the most every time you see him, at least early, they just have a lot of really good players. Yeah, and that's gonna, it's going to take some time, like you mentioned, to figure that out. I don't those. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of the platoon system. I've talked about that on the on the air before, but uh, we'll let you go and maybe we'll talk about that on cats illustrated podcast later this week or we won't you call the shots there but brett dawson thanks very much for hopping on and i'll uh, i'll talk to you later all right thanks
With Brett Dawson previewing a quick preview of the NBA season uh, with an emphasis on some of the UK players. Um, interesting. Uh, he really shot down my Clay Anthony early sleeper. And he would know better than me because he follows the Knicks almost religiously. Uh, but you know what? I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm still going to hold out hope for Clay Anthony early. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to follow that throughout the year. We're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back. I need to give. I need to try to sneak in my SEC power rankings in that final segment. Might have to be a, a rapid fire, uh, John Renshaw Memorial, quick take on on the uh, SEC standings. We'll see. Stick around here on fourteen fifty. The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back one final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I guess Yates, we've been making predictions for every season that has come uh, since we've been doing this. So we might as well make our predictions for the NBA season. So We'll do this. We'll ask. I'll ask you the same question. I asked Brett Dawson. Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, and uh, your your NBA Finals champion. Um, in the Eastern Conference, I'll I'll go chalk, and I'll go with Cavaliers and the Bulls, uh, with the Cavaliers winning. And Western Conference, I I don't know if this is chalk. It probably is, but I'll say. The Clippers and the Spurs. I'm, I'll actually go with the Spurs over the Clippers there, and I think the Cavaliers win it all. I think I think LeBron is to the point in his career where he can. I know it's going to be their first year together, but I think he can pull that team together, and I think they're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, the good news is he's got. 82 games and then the playoffs to be able to figure it out. And generally the first round of the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference is uh, a joke, a better joke than any joke I've told on the Sports Talker. Uh, in the East, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. You'd be crazy not to have the Cavs there. Uh, but I'm not ready to completely give up on the Miami Heat yet. I think Dwayne Wade might have one last push where he can – Maybe not dominate the league, but put up good enough numbers and, and lead the team. And he's been in he's been in that setting and he's been in that atmosphere. Even if he had LeBron James to help him, uh, I think him and Chris Bosh push through to the finals one last time, and you get that exciting, dramatic LeBron James Heat finals. But I, I agree with everybody that the Cavs are just uh, so much better than any other team in the East. So they'll move on there, and the addition of Kevin Love is just huge for that team. And uh, in the West, I, I kind of agree with Brett Dawson where the Spurs, they put a lot of eggs in last year's basket. So I, I'm not, I don't have them making my Western Conference Finals. I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, and I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors. So I'm going to miss out on the Clippers altogether, uh, and I'm going to have the Thunder winning that. You're going to have the Thunder versus the Cavs. Those are two of your top four uh, 
NBA the the best odds to win the NBA championship, and the Cavs are just they're too good. And I'm gonna go and chalk them up for NBA championship after NBA championship until uh, until they break up that big three if they ever do. So uh, that's I mean just an unbelievable three. And and you gotta imagine you're still gonna get LeBron James playing at a high level for another five to six years. Uh, same with Kevin Love and then Kyrie Irving's probably got 10 years at least. So as long as they have those three together on the same team, they're going to be awfully tough to beat. Uh, but I, I like the Golden State Warriors a lot. And uh, Kevin Durant, he'll be back. Uh, they'll be back in the finals. So that's my prediction there. Uh, let's do a quick, let's do my quick SEC power rankings here. Number one, Mississippi State. Two, Alabama. Three, I'm going to go with Auburn. Four, I will go with LSU. I think LSU's good. There's a young team. It's, it was obviously going to take some time with them. Uh, so LSU going to be four for me. Old Miss, five. I'm going to head to the east now and have Georgia at six. Kentucky at seven. Missouri at eight. South Carolina at 9, Texas A&M at 10, Florida at number 11, Arkansas at 12, Tennessee 13th, and Vanderbilt, the one staple of my SEC power ranking since I've been doing it the last three weeks, number 14. I mean, they're absolutely terrible, Uh, but huge game for Kentucky this week. Uh, Absolutely huge. You win that. And things are looking very interesting in the SEC East uh, regarding the Cats. You lose it, and well, you're done with the East, that's for sure. And and making it to a bowl game looks looks tough. Uh, You know, it's going to include either a a win against a top ten Georgia team, or you're going to have to win on the road somewhere at Tennessee. They're not great, but Still a tough place to win. Kentucky's only won uh, against Tennessee once in the last 28 years. Or at Louisville, who's at 100% health. And uh, you win, if they were to win against Florida State, would certainly have a lot of momentum. There's a road game at Notre Dame along the way. So it would obviously be pretty tough. But a win against Missouri would go, uh, doesn't, you don't need me saying it would go obviously a long way. So it seems like with this Florida State news that it's it's interesting uh, how how quickly you know I don't know if this is a resolution but uh, it, it seems like Carlos Williams might not be charged in either case he's connected with and if he's not charged in either case that he's connected with there's you know, there's no reason not to play him. The 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 woman in the domestic violence, domestic battery investigation is asking for the investigation to come to a close. Still not, just not good news to surround a program. But it looks like it's, it's just going to be another, it's going to be another case where Jimbo Fisher can just kind of 
move on, and you know he's going to be obnoxious about it. I, I think it would just do him and Florida State. It'd be a huge favor to themselves if they just kind of, if he talked to the media and just opened up and said, yes, there's been some issues and there's been some problems and we're not, you know, we're not 100% clean. We're, uh, you know, no program is. We have kids that make mistakes. Every program makes mistakes. Maybe the way we handled some of this, these mistakes weren't the best way to go about it. But we're moving forward. I'll be happy to answer any questions that you all have, but be respect. You know, it, it, there's so much better ways to handle what he's been doing than to get defensive about it all. Really, really bugs me. Uh, but oh well. Again, that line is just moving very, uh, very close to Louisville. It's the smallest favorites Florida State has been since. That can't be right. Smallest favorite Florida State's been since 2011. I guess that means Florida State could have been underdogs since then. So that stat's not as 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 jaw-dropping as initially when I read it. But still impressive or interesting. And I'm not so sure that line's not going to keep dropping. I mean, a very trendy upset pick. Kirk Herbstreit picked Louisville to upset Florida State. Yates, you gonna be there Thursday night? I will be there. Is it is there is there a blackout or a red out or any any of that silly not, nonsense? Not that I've heard of. They've already done uh, the blackout this season, so that if I don't think you can really go to that well twice. And I think sometimes I think they do a red out maybe for senior day, but I, I haven't heard of anything. They're wearing those gray uniforms. That's about the only thing I know of that's going on. No Halloween costume out or anything like that? No, not that I'm aware of. Okay, that would uh, that'd be fun. I Kentucky's had some games on Halloween or the day before Halloween in the past. Uh, I know they played Mississippi State, I think, on Halloween a few years back, and might have had a, a blackout of sorts. Didn't win the game, um, but a, a, a night game close to Halloween always always makes for a better crowd. So I'm sure the atmosphere Thursday night at Papa John's will be will be wild, and, and Kentucky's going into a game at Missouri where they're trying to – this is kind of the new trend is either checkerboard outs where you have some sections wear some colors and some wear others, uh, but they're trying to do a stripe out where they're coordinating different sections will wear different colors, and some rows in that section will wear different colors, and, and their, their hopes is to make the crowd look like tiger stripes throughout the stadium. Uh, we'll see how that works and looks on TV. It's a 4 o'clock game for Missouri. I've got a feeling it's not going to look great, uh, but we'll have to we'll have to see. We're out of time for the Sports Talker today. Uh, make sure you join us tomorrow. Uh, again, i got to figure out when I'm going to do my PT picks of the week, but we'll get that figured out. Thanks all to listen. Thanks, Brett Dawson, for coming on, and we'll see you tomorrow. Kentucky home. My old Kentucky home. Oh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, Penn Kentucky Blue. They say don't forget 270, we hitting two.